Hired by faith, driven by results, it's the Compassion Network Podcast with Tia Ramey. Thank you for tuning in to the Compassion Network, where we discuss leadership from the perspective of faith. I'm your host, Tia Ramey, and I'm excited to introduce to you my network of compassionate leaders around the state of Ohio that have made changing lives their business. Every human being in the world gains when we ensure that we have the support that they need to bring precious new life into the world. My guest tonight will speak from her experience with helping expectant mothers with her brave journey of pregnancy. My guest tonight, Director Tawan Minus, will talk to us about the challenges that mothers are facing with access to affordable health care and the role that that, uh, is played in protecting new life. Director Minus, welcome to the Compassion Network. Thank you for having me today. And Thank I you so much for being from, here. You're welcome. I'm I'm honored to share the passion of my life, and that is advocating for life in my community. And so it's something that I do every day. Um, it's not to me a job. It's it's life work. It's life work. So I'm happy to share. Awesome. So why don't you talk to us about your professional background and your journey into your career? What's brought you to this point? I initially started, um, interestingly enough, I would say I would go back to when I was in Howard University. Um, At Howard University, I had to write a paper, a persuasive paper, and my topic was abortion. And I was able to persuade from the pro-choice perspective and the pro-life perspective. And I did equally well on the papers. And it was then I realized that I was kind of lukewarm and on the fence. And so I I left Howard a couple of years years later, got married, had a baby, got born again. And here I am in a church that right in the throes of Operation Rescue in the late 80s. And it was then that I learned that... um, Blacks represented 11% of the population, but we were aborting our babies at a rapid rate. I believe at that time mm-hmm. it was like 40% of the abortions. And so I knew I needed to do something. And so what I did was I went and decided I was going to stand in front of an abortion clinic, which I did. Um, I always say it was Tawan and the two nuns. And I stood there not knowing any information, but knowing that I just needed to stand there. And in that day, I saw someone that I knew go into the abortion clinic. And and she saw me. I saw her. And she went in. And 10 minutes later, she came out. And I, I don't say that she didn't abort her baby eventually, but that day, her her baby's life was preserved. And, and I've been doing those kinds of things ever since. Wow. So why don't you just back up a little bit and give us the background sure. of your faith and maybe how your faith is impacting your work and your stance on pro-life. Well, I got born again in the late 80s, um, February 2nd, 1988, which is that. And it was then that I, I started understanding what God had to say about life, about my life, about life in general. And my husband and I we found ourselves starting in ministry in the nursery room and eventually ended up running a couple of um, children's churches. And 
always knowing that life was precious and precious to God. And before I was in my mother's womb, he knew me. And so I saw that abortion was really the shedding of innocent blood and that I would do what I could do um, to stand in the gap and educate um, from God's perspective on how God felt about it, which led to a lot of, you know, backlash, of course, um, because you went right into it's my body, it's my choice. And that is true, but I always say, but the baby's body is different from your body. And so um, I went from that kind of radical, um, you need to keep your baby to help me understand where you're at, you know, Mm. what's going through your mind right now that you feel like this is your only option. And so I think that the church has to come from that perspective, a perspective of love and a perspective mm-hmm. of understanding because we don't know what's going on in everyone's background. And so here at Miami Valley Women's Center, we just share options. And our mission is to value life and support families and demonstrate Christ's love. So we do that um, every day, every day at Miami Valley Women's Center. Wow. You know, I, I think that that is so interesting, and, and I would agree with you. I think it's that you – definitely would uh, catch more bees with honey, right, Um, of of taking the time to understand where a person is. um, Then I say that, you know, women end up at at an abortion clinic. She doesn't want to be there. She doesn't want to be there. It's the last place that she would ever want to be. So it is good to at least have that conversation and and show some compassion and find out what what brought them there. Um, So maybe you can just speak to some of the challenges and the barriers that women are are facing in regards to, you know, um, what would bring them there? Some of the conversations you've had, do you mind just sharing with us some of the things you've learned? Since I've been here at Miami Valley, I need to backtrack. I started here as a volunteer. And in 2013, I went to a breakfast with my pastor's wife. And it was for pastors. And Miami Valley was sharing with the, the different pastors of what they wanted to do in, in, the, in Miami Valley with the churches. And it was then that I learned that my pastor's wife was post-abortive. And I, I did not know before she shared that with me. And just understanding that one in four women sitting in church have had an abortion is something that we need to talk about. And we need to talk mm-hmm. about it with compassion and love. And a lot of times, what it is is I don't have any options, so this is the only thing I can do. I can't carry this baby. I don't have support. And so what we do is we share the options when a, a, a woman finds herself in an unplanned pregnancy. And one of the things I share is stories. I share my story. I said, well, there's an age gap between my first child and my third child of 15 years. It wasn't that it was unplanned. It was God's time for my my last child to come, and she came 15 years after I had the first. But we we talk about advocating for adoption, and you can do temporary um, um, care if you feel like I can't care for the child. So can I have the child go and stay with a family member? 
temporary custody or permanent adoption, those are always your options. And then if the woman's going, okay, I'm going to parent, then we bring resources around to help her. Because sometimes the issue Mm -hmm. is I don't think I can do this by myself. And so it's not enough for us to say you need to keep your baby, which we don't. We, We tell them the options around the pregnancy. These are the options you have. But here's some resources in the community that can help you as well if you want to go forth with the pregnancy. Wow. You know, one thing that's been coming up a lot, and I'm, I'm hearing this, and I've been to several different, um, you know, places. I'm seeing more doulas and things pop up, and we talk about cultural competency, you know, as it relates mm-hmm. to uh, prenatal care. And just to briefly share my own experience, you know, I was I was married when I had my my first when I got pregnant with my first child or my only child, and um, and it it wasn't the pregnancy that was the worst part. I mean, I had endured a lot of different systems of abuse. You know, my employer, for example, they gave me a three day maternity leave, um, where they told me I'd be fired. And at the time, it was a recession. I was very very young, and that was just one way. <laughs> that, you know, I've seen, you know, mothers like myself be abused. But what was the most shocking for me was going into the hospital and not being listened to at all. And I I almost didn't make it. Um, it was by the grace of God that I that I made it after hemorrhaging. It's just no one listened. And I didn't know um, how much, you know, black women are suffering, you know, when they are uh, going to hospitals because we're hearing that, Doctors just don't believe them when they say they're in pain. I told my doctors then that uh, that something was wrong, and they did not listen. I ended up back in the hospital shortly after that. But for me, it was the shock and the trauma yeah. um, not being able to trust health care providers um, that kept me from ever wanting to have a child again. I didn't trust that I could make it through a delivery or that I could have a good doctor. It wow. really took the Lord to heal me from that process, and I think it probably took a good 10 years to heal uh, mentally, from everything that I had endured over the course of the pregnancy, mm-hmm. from just different aspects, you know. So maybe you can speak to some cultural competency of, you know, what needs to happen for black women for them to feel like they have good options. I can speak for myself. Um, mm-hmm. I experienced some of the things that you experienced, and it's important to keep using our voice and then look for those doctors who understand the culture, who understand that we're kind of leery of going to doctors in the first place. So make us feel comfortable when we're there. Um, My last child, the doctor who delivered my child, basically I had a cesarean. I was walking down the hall because they put the baby in um, in the ICU on the other side of the wing. Basically he said nothing else to me after he delivered my baby. And wow. we got to have those conversations. But saw me limping down the hall for sure. And they was just having a conversation like, okay, we're done with her. And you take note of that. And what it does is it makes you have more compassion when you're interacting with somebody and you're looking for those doctors who are going to show that love first, the compassion for the mother first. Sometimes mm-hmm. I, I, I found that the doctor was just doing their job and I'm going home. But these are people's lives. And we need someone. Yes. We have doulas that can come, midwives that can come. And so 
we reached out into the community and got information from those types of individuals that can walk through with the women as they're going through the process of pregnancy. Oh, that's so good. I mean, you, you really spoke to so many different things. And I also want to yeah. address infant mortality rates because I'm hearing that that is a major challenge. I've been I've had the pleasure of working with Celebrate One out of Columbus, and we do a lot of um, campaigning and awareness around infant mortality rates. So we hear they're especially high amongst black women in Ohio. Can yeah. you speak to some of the challenges that black mothers are experiencing that contribute to the infant mortality rate? One of the things we know is that there's just general poor health anyway. And so mm-hmm. when I start working here at the center, one of the things I embraced was the different community resources coming in and sharing with me, this is what's available in the community so that we can have healthy babies. we got to educate the women of what's going on while they're pregnant. You know, don't smoke, don't drink, don't do marijuana, things of, of that nature. And those are preventive things. And finding that resource to match what's going on with the young lady right then and there in her life. So I met with a lot of people in Combined Health District because we wanted to see healthy babies come. It wasn't enough for me to just say, I want you to have your baby. But we come as a community and say, now, here are the resources, because after you have your baby, there may be challenges. And we have resources here in preparation for being a mom. But then there are other resources in the community that can help you as well. There are home visits that can happen just so that you can talk. Because sometimes, especially if you're a new mother, you really don't know what to do. And so keeping that communication open with them, because with us primarily, we're we're like your first stop. You're going to we're going to confirm your pregnancy. For the most part, we'll give you your first ultrasound, and then what we do is we offer what we call moms programs, making outstanding moms. We're going to come and sit with you one on one, privately, and we can pick different subject matters. And we look at videos together, and we just talk about life. And I found the most effective thing is when I'm giving the information, but also just talking about my life experiences. And it kind of relaxes the client, and then we can engage back and forth with what's going to be best for her, and then look for those resources in the community for her. You know, you you said so many different things I'd like to address, and one thing I'd like to go back to is um, you, you talked about how important it is that mothers feel loved um, and cared for and that they feel comfortable. And I am suspicious sometimes just the connection of um, the rate of single motherhood amongst black women mm-hmm. and the infant mortality rate. Um, and I, I try to talk to, you know, young men sometimes and tell them how important it is that a mother feels loved and how that connects to the relationship they have with their child. Even if they are not going to be with the mother, it's so important that those two adults have a healthy relationship with one another, um, the mother and the father of a baby. I, I really believe with all my heart that that uh, is going to increase that baby's chance of survival and, and the quality of life. Can you speak to some of that a little bit? I absolutely agree. Not only the healthy relationship once the baby is born, but prior to, 
because if the woman knows that she's loved and there, there's going to mm-hmm. be that support from her partner, she's more likely to carry to term than abort her baby. And so we know that's true. And then sometimes the guys are like, I don't know how to be a dad. I haven't had a dad around. And so at Miami Valley Women's Center, we actually have men on staff, and they conduct what we call dad's classes or developing awesome dads. And they work one-on-one with the dads to prepare them for what it's going to look like as a father once the baby is born. And so we're looking mm-hmm. at ways that we can help them feel comfortable too. And in addition, sometimes, but not all the time, they're, they're partnered together in a class, but not very often. Most times we let the man talk to the men, and we will have a female talk to the woman. So what happens in these classrooms? You know, I'm, I'm very interested in that. That's something that intrigues me quite a bit. I know that um, the state of Ohio has invested in the Ohio Commission on Fatherhood, which tends to fund a lot of wow. programs. And we had Representative Thomas West talk about the fatherhood initiative. But can you speak to mm-hmm. just maybe some of the conversations or the things that dads are sharing with their challenges of wanting to learn about how to be better dads? Well, most of the time, I'm only an initial contact, and then um, our male counterparts work with the dads. But it's just preparing them uh, for what it looks like when you have an infant in the household, how it can disrupt the flow initially of what you're used to doing, being supportive of the mom, and even in the middle of the night, changing diapers, being that source of comfort to her and support to her when she feels as though, I don't know what I'm doing right here. But And then engaging them both in that, you can do this. You can do this. And one of the things we do when we do these programs is, if you come and you complete the program, you earn what we call baby bucks. And we let you come in and shop in our boutique. Our boutique is, is in our centers. And because you've completed it, you can get brand new stuff to prepare you for the baby that's coming. So that's one of the resources that we offer here at Miami Valley that we have some things for you because we know this is going to be a hit on your finances. And one of the things we talk about is budgeting. Um, What does debt look like to you? How are you going to plan and manage now that you have another individual to care for? So it's primarily the the mom or the dad is going to look at all of the classes we have to offer or the sessions we have to offer, and they will pick ones that are interesting to them. And then as we build a relationship, we can look and say, well, they will need this class too as well. And so that's just the first step. That's just the first step. After the baby comes along, we can still engage in interaction. Um, It's it's not uncommon for um, mothers who have come here initially in their pregnancy to just drop by the center to just let me know how they're doing. Um, If they're needing some additional information or resources in the community, they'll call me, hey, can you help me with this? I'm trying to find some housing. I need some help with paying my my utility bill. Can you point me in the direction? And so it becomes a holistic approach. We're concerned about you mentally, physically, and spiritually. 
we want to make sure that we're covering all those arenas with love and compassion. That's incredible, and I, I really appreciate the work that you do in you know, one thing I do wish is in the world of prevention, and this is just wishful thinking, I guess. What I, I can't understand sometimes is that if, if a woman's ever been in the position to have to choose or to think about whether or not she should keep her baby, like I said before, it's not really a good choice. You know, you, you don't feel like you're no. being given good options at all. Um, and if you're going to a, a clinic, a free clinic, and I remember this because when I found that I was pregnant, I didn't have health insurance at all. I was a college student, yeah. full-time in college. It was our senior year. And they gave me options, and they said, well, you know, you can, uh, I think at the time, they said, well, you could, your husband could move out of the house, and that way you can get, you know, like food stamps and different things because they said that we earned too much money. <laughs> And we were like $75 over the poverty guideline. Um, They said, or you could drop, um, you can quit your job, you know, that could help, or you could terminate your pregnancy. These are the options they counseled me on, which was interesting to me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And they're supposed to be good options. And I wonder sometimes why our our sisters in the pro-choice world don't fight for better options, you know, inside of prevention and Better options to me is if you are pro-choice, and I call it the pro-quality of choice, is why yeah. isn't contraception affordable and over-the-counter? If I can choose whether or not to terminate my pregnancy, surely I can choose which pill to take, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, why, why well, do you what, think that is? Well, our, our focus is primarily um, advocating for what... Um, the pregnancy has taken place, but mm-hmm. we do encounter women a lot when they have made some choices, and we come in with a support co- program called Dream, <laughs> Dare to Realize That Every Action Matters. So we're talking about integrity mm. and, and purity in your relationship. We talk about being at risk. Um, we have what we call student outreach when we go in, so before they get to the point that they're considering birth control, we talk about just your health in general. We, we advocate abstinence, which is like, you know, almost profanity, but we advocate um, abstinence. We advocate having healthy relationships between a man and a woman that are married. Now, we know that's not always happening, so we're not pointing a finger If that's not your situation, what we're doing is saying here is a way that you can start again. You can stop and consider, are you getting what you you really want emotionally from this relationship, or is this just purely physical? And so those are things we we start thinking about because a lot of times we're talking to the younger girls. Um, My youngest client has been 15. It's just I'm experimenting. You know, it was just something to do. And so we talk about, okay, what about your goals in life? Have you set some plans in life? Let's start thinking about that. Because in our society, this is me, I think we're so sexually driven that we don't almost think about other things that they want to do in life that this could perhaps hinder you or make it more challenging if a baby comes in the picture. So we're, we're coming at at it from all angles. We're coming from, okay, you're pregnant now. 
These are your options, and we're going to help you with that. Then we're going into the local schools and saying, you are worth waiting for. You're worth waiting for until the environment is right, your situation is right. Um, and then we're talking to, to the, the boys separate from the girls. Remember how when we used to have the health classes and someone come in and talk to us? It's kind of like right. that. And then we have um, after-school mentoring. And so I know that for me, even growing up, if, if, if I was occupied with something, my mind wasn't on, oh, let's go over here and have sex. So let's, let's look at what are your options, what are you thinking about, what are your dreams. Let's talk about that, you know, and put it in an environment that is safe, that you can share what you want to share, it's confidential, it stays right there, what we share. But let's give you some options as well. And so that's what we're working towards. When we're we're educating, we're equipping, and we're empowering, you can cho- make the choice, and you can make an informed choice of what you want to do with your life. It's so good. You know, I think that people don't always realize the, the social determinants of health and, and all the conditions that back mothers into a corner that makes her feel like it's either her life or her child's life. Um, and that's a shame. Life. You know, that we have built a society that does that. I mean, we talk about the lack of relationship with the father, the lack of relationship yep. with employers, the broken relationship with the medical system, the broken relationship with community, or even perhaps the broken relationship with the church. Um, and then we wonder yep. why she feels like, I have to choose. It's me or this child. And it, it's a lot needs to change. And I, I do believe that if, if society wasn't so obsessed with, making money off of every inch of a woman's body that we might actually exactly. give her better options. So I, I thank God for the work, for the work you do. Um, could you just provide some encouraging words to women that are struggling with whether or not they should terminate their pregnancy? Yes. I will always say you have, you have options. There are more people than you know in this community who care for you, who love you. God loves you first. And I love you. So there's nothing you're yeah. going to do that's going to take away that love that God has for you. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to give you all the options. I'm going to find the resources for you. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be your champion. No, I can't take you home all the time. I can't do that. But you can call me at this office. You can come by here. And you know if I can help you, I will help you. And so what we're seeing is people just want to know that people care, that they're not a number, you know, that I'm just doing my job. I'm like, I, I, I share with you, and I know we're about to close. The first client that came into um, the center, she came in, she was just driving by, getting a pregnancy test. The test was negative, but that opened up a whole bunch of other stuff that was going on with her. And on this particular day, my husband was going to take me out um, on a date, and it was out of town. So I had to leave work in time to get to where I was going out of town. Well, that didn't happen because I sat there with her, and I, was, I let her cry. She, we, I was with her about two hours. I'm like, if this is what you need, if you need to release this, I'm here. I'm here. I'm going to love you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to show you some resources. But most importantly, you can call here anytime. 
So you have options, and they're there, and I'm going to share them with you. And any decision you make that will not change the love I have for you. We have clients who have chosen abortion, and we're still here on the other side that you can come to our, our center and talk to somebody one-on-one on how you're feeling. So there are options. And so it's just up to us to educate, especially in the churches, because one in four sitting in the congregation have experienced abortion, and the guilt and the shame is real, and we need to be there to support them. Absolutely, absolutely. Tawana, you're doing such incredible work. Why don't you tell us how we can support you in the work that you're doing every day? You can support us. Um, Miami Valley Women's Center is a nonprofit we do not accept any kind of federal or government funding because we want to share the gospel. So first, support us in prayer. We open up every day in prayer to pray for us. Um, the, the clients and the, and the women in the community, they're always needing resources, diapers, wipes, formula, and that's coming from donations, private donations. And if you want to write a check, you can write a check to Miami Valley. You can visit our website, MiamiValleyWomenCenter.org, or you can call me. I'm at 937-262-7414. But most importantly, pray for us because we're on the front line. Pray for us and pray for the lives of the children and pray that the churches let us in to share that hope that is there because we want to give them life-affirming information and pregnancy care that is pleasing to the Lord. So I thank you Wonderful. for allowing us to hear that. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you so much for sharing. You've been such a blessing. You've had such great insight and encouraging words. Uh, do you have any final final words in the last couple seconds? I would say that to the pastors, be open because there are many women hurting in the congregation. And we, not only Miami Valley, but pregnancy resource centers, we can come alongside you and bring that hope and healing to the women in the congregation and the men as well. And the men as mm-hmm. well, men hurt from abortion as well. Thank you, Tawan. In closing, the Compassion Network is all about leadership from the perspective of faith. It takes great faith to fight, to see the potential of life, and make it your business to protect that journey. Leaders like Tawan Minus have taken on the incredible burden of giving moms the tools and resources needed to be the best leaders that they can be. Thank you for listening to the Compassion Network podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Compassion Network to receive updates about new guests. Again, uh, make sure that you go and visit MiamiValleyWomenCenter.org so you can support their mission and you can donate to their nonprofit organization. Have a good night, guys, and let faith lead you into greatness. You are listening to the Compassion Network Podcast.